Hello, and welcome to the episode two of Inside the Box. If you haven't heard the first one, it was my interview with Sebastian Salazar, where we talked about commentating and really how he came into being what he is in ESPN. If you want to go back and look at that, it's on Transistor. Yes, it's called Inside the Box. It's also on my Twitter at Owen Kennedy. You'll find that as my only <laughs> my only Twitter post, so pretty easy to find. And please go give that one a listen. Feel free to download. It really helps me out as well as my ego. And it uh, it's a great interview. And thank you to Sebastian Salazar for doing that. So if you want to learn more about that, it's on my Twitter. Look up Owen Kennedy. You'll probably find it. Might have to scroll down a bit. But look for my interview with Sebastian Salazar. Um, anyways, what, what we have today is we're going to do a bit of a Premier League weekend review as everything's really heating up there. We have Liverpool scoring a goal through Allison, the first goal a goalkeeper's ever scored in a competitive match in Liverpool's history. We have the FA Cup with Leicester beating Chelsea to really summarize Chelsea's horrible weekend. And also, we have Scott Carson making his first Premier League appearance for Manchester City since 2011. And have Manchester City had the striker on their books to replace Sergio Aguero since the summer? I don't know. We're going to talk about that. So, first of all, as I, as I said, Scott Carson made his first Premier League appearance since 2011 for Manchester City. Obviously, Manchester City have had the league wrapped up for, I guess, a week or two now. And so, nothing to play for. Might as well give their third-choice goalie, Scott Carson a veteran of the game, a run out. He didn't do as well as he might have hoped against Newcastle, but Newcastle are a flying attacking team with Joe Willett, Callum Wilson, Alan St. Maximin, and I guess Emil Kraft now scoring a goal. So you couldn't really expect him to keep a clean sheet, but I guess he would have liked to. But the main talking point from this game is Ferran Torres become one of the youngest ever Premier League players to score a hat trick including an insane backheel volley, which in any other week would have, been give, would have been given goal of the week. So I think he is a very special player. Obviously, when he's playing for the Spanish national team, he plays in the winger spot, he plays on the right. But as you saw in that game, it does look like he has some ability to play through the center. And with Aguero leaving, he could be the replacement that Manchester City, Manchester City have been looking for since the beginning. And so I think that's really interesting because uh, Pep Guardiola has come out and said that they don't have the funds for a striker, even though I think everyone knows that's not true. If Ferran Torres, who's I think like 22 or maybe even younger, can play through the central, can play through the center and play well, it'll really give them a second way of playing besides having this false nine with uh, De Bruyne, Foden sort of playing centrally. Um, they'll really be able to go back to how Pep Guardiola was playing before this season with Aguero as an out-and-out striker. And it also does not uh, look good for uh, Gabriel Jesus's career. If Ferran Torres is going to be able to produce more than Jesus's through the center, what does Jesus do? Because Jesus kind of replaced Ian who moved on to Leicester as that kind of 
backup to Sergio Aguero, the guy who just sits on the bench, except Gabriel Jesus came in later in Aguero's career at Manchester City. So he was always been kind of waiting for his turn to get a run in, to get his chance at playing striker week in, week out for Manchester City. And Aguero's going, and so especially if even this season where Gabriel Jesus should have had the chance to come out and stake his claim for that spot, he just hasn't done so. Aguero's been injured. Gabriel Jesus, when he's not been injured, hasn't been starting. And when he is starting or when he's coming off the bench, hasn't made a real impact to really say that he should be making that spot. And Ferran Torres comes in, plays in the striker's position, scores an outrageous backhill volley, as well as two other goals for a, a hat trick, really looks like a solid player who can play centrally for Manchester City. And so I, that's going to leave a lot of question marks about Jesus's, um future at Manchester City, especially if he wants to be the Brazil striker in the future. He's really got to say, hey, I am the best Brazilian striker out there. This is my spot. And a great way to do that is to be the starting striker at Manchester City. And he hasn't been the starting striker at Manchester City. So he's going to need to take a long look at his career and really try to figure out where does he go for this? Where is he going to go next? Does he stay at Manchester City? Does he stay at Manchester City for another year? Do Does Ferran Torres even become the striking option? Where does Ferran Torres go? Because Ferran Torres has played on the right like he does for Spain and hasn't been that frequent in the Manchester City starting 11. And so he gets his start up front through the middle and scores a hat trick. So where does what does what do Manchester City do this summer? Especially as I think a couple of hours as I'm saying as I'm saying this, Harry Kane has announced that he wants to leave Spurs even after he's scored a goal in in Tottenham's win over Wolves. He has announced that he wants to leave Spurs. And I think this is something that is unexpected and expected at the same time because you can expect it where he wants to win trophies. He's he's one of the best Premier League goal scorers of all time, best English goal scorer of our time, all time. He's definitely up there. But you might get this whole Steven Gerrard thing where people, the immediate thing people do when you uh, to discount Steven Gerrard is to say he didn't win any trophies. Even though he was in the most Premier League team of the weeks, he didn't win a single Premier League trophy. Not even, but with Harry Kane, you can't even give him the Champions League. Harry, wa- Harry Kane has won nothing at Tottenham. And so, where does he go now? He's announced he wants to leave Spurs. So, but which team gets him? Do, is Man City going to go for Holland, which is the more realistic option? He's younger, has a brighter future, and looks could be even more um, physical. He looks like he can score even more goals than Harry Kane. Erling Holland's dad also plays for Manchester City. Do they go after Lionel Messi, who, although I think plays in a completely different position, you can't get both Lionel Messi or Harry Kane in the same transfer window. Do they go after Lionel Messi, who, uh, as things start to collapse at Barcelona, might be available? Do they go after Kylian Mbappe, who, although I don't think they've ever been linked to him, every big team who has absurd amounts of money is going to want to try and go after Kylian Mbappe. Or do they stick with Ferran Torres? As Pep Guardiola said, they don't have the money for a striker. 
I don't know what they do here. I think this is going to be a very interesting thing to see at Manchester City. Like, what happens with their team? Where do they go? Because obviously, they're the best team in the league, best team in Europe, if they win the Champions League. I think, I don't even think if they win the Champions League, people will still consider them the best in, uh, best in Europe. So where do they go with their team from here? Do they kind of stay the same? Do they not make any changes? Only get rid of some dead wood to free up money? But that's what I think a normal team would do. But Manchester City obviously don't need to sell players for money. They only really need to sell players to just kind of balance their books for FFP. So where do Manchester City go? And also, where do, where do Tottenham go? Who's going to be Tottenham's manager? Does Son leave if Harry Kane leaves? Where does Harry Kane go? This is a lot of interesting storylines and narratives that I'm gonna that I think people should look out for over the summer transfer window. Um, so I'll give a couple of my predictions. I'll say who I think Spurs' manager will be. Where does Kane go? Does Son leave? And who becomes Manchester City's new striker? So. I think that Spurs' new manager will be Nuno Espirito Santos. He's been at Wolves for a while. He's done really, really well. And I think he's going to look for that step up into, I guess, European football if Spurs make it. Um, He's going to look for that step up to take on a top six team. Or not top six, a big six team. I think he's going to look for that step up. I think that Steven Gerrard will either manage Wolves or Southampton. So if Nuno Espirito Santos leaves, Steven Gerrard is, is a replacement for him, for them. I think that that's a good move. I don't think Steven Gerrard will go to uh, Tottenham just because of the Liverpool connection. So what happens to Harry Kane in all of this? The, two, the three teams that I think Harry Kane might go to are PSG, Manchester City, Manchester United. I think he's going to either go to one of those three teams if he leaves. Even though he said he's going to leave, that's still a question because who's going to pay for his money? Who's going to pay his transfer fee, especially in a COVID um, hit economy? I think Manchester United have just signed Edison Cavani again, and they're trying to do uh, develop. Mason Greenwood into their striker. I think Manchester City have said they're not going to buy a striker. I don't believe that. But I think they're going to really spend their time targeting Erling Holland. I think PSG is the most likely option for them. I think that they might be targeting Messi, but I don't think that's going to really happen. So I think, especially with the Mauricio Pochettino connection, Harry Kane might be playing in France. Um, next year, but what I think is the most likely thing to happen is Harry Kane will stay at Spurs. I think he said he's going to leave, but I don't think there's a team who's willing to pay his transfer fee, and or a team who's willing to pay his transfer fee who can't uh, get Holland or Mbappe because Kane is in a very unfortunate uh, situation here. He is the third most wanted striker in uh, in Europe at the minute. Now, <laughs> any other normal transfer window, he's the number one. He's what all the big teams are targeting. But you have Erling Holland and Kylian Mbappe, who both might be sold this summer. 
I think Erling Holland less so, but Kylian Mbappe, who PSG don't want to lose him on a free next year, so he's going to be off. A lot of teams are going to be hunting uh, Erling Holland, and so uh, Harry Kane is the third choice there. And so I think Harry Kane's really found himself in a tough spot where I think he's going to be trying to leave for the majority of the summer. But I think at the end of it, he's going to stay at Spurs for at least a year, at least at least the 2021-2022 season. I think after that, after uh, Holland and Mbappe have gone places and the other teams can see where they need a striker, that's when I think Kane will leave. So I think Kane is in a really interesting spot. But... Kane isn't the best Premier League goal scorer at the minute. You might say, oh, he's tied with Mo Salah. No. Alison Becker, the Liverpool goalkeeper, is now the best scorer in the Premier League. He has a 100% shots on target ratio. He's scored every goal he's attempted. And he might have single-handedly carried Liverpool into the Champions League. Liverpool needed to win all three of their games against West Brom, Burnley, and Crystal Palace. On Sunday, they played West Brom, and in the 94th minute, the score was 1-1. Liverpool win a corner. Their goalkeeper, Allison, comes up, scores a magnificent header, like striker's header, perfect, perfect technique, and wins them the game 2-1. So, what? Wow. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Wow. This is the first time a Liverpool goalie has ever scored in a competitive match since their creation back in 1888, I think. So in over 100 years of Liverpool, you've never seen a goalie score. And I think in what an important time as well. I think that especially with everything that's going on with Liverpool and going on with Allison's personal life, this you couldn't have written a better script. It's 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 something that would be happen in a movie where you have this kind of guy who's down and out, gone through really really tough things in personal life, comes up, scores a goal, and kind of fires Liverpool into the Champions League. Kind of gives them that extra kick to say, hey, we're gonna make the Champions League. So if you don't know what's gone on with Allison. Um, obviously, it's a terrible, terrible story. In February, he lost his father in Brazil. His father was swimming in a lake in Brazil and sadly drowned. And he wasn't able to go see his family or his, his mother. He wasn't able to go see his father or go see the rest. Of, not Sorry. <laughs> he wasn't able to go to his father's funeral. He wasn't able to do any of that because it was all in Brazil. And he is, obviously, COVID restrictions have kept him in the UK. And his wife has given birth this week. So he's been going through so much in his personal life. He didn't speak to the media since um, the tragic incident. So on Sunday, it was the first time he's ever spoken to the media. And I was as I was watching it, I was breaking down in tears almost. It was so emotional so so meaningful and you can see what it meant to him and you can see what it meant to everyone on the field for Liverpool you can see how the real camaraderie they have with like as soon as the goal went in everyone rushed to his side like he was crying on the field uh like 
Firmino and Fabinho around him, the Brazilian coalition at Liverpool, just like around him, he's crying on the field, looking up, looking up to this, looking up to the heavens, just thinking, just like I can't imagine what he was thinking, but it was it was an incredible moment for him, and I couldn't be more happy. Um, obviously. I am a Liverpool fan, so even even if that wasn't going on, I still would have been ecstatic with this. But I think what what a man to have who who deserved it. No one on Liverpool deserved this more. He obviously after what happened to his father, he had to keep playing for Liverpool, and his form started to dip. People were kind of turning on him a bit at Liverpool or at least outside the club, not inside the club. And he he goes out onto the field and stamps his mark, really just becomes becomes a god for Liverpool. Uh, his, and his, oh my gosh, I am just getting emotional thinking about this just because of what it meant to him and to Liverpool Football Club. Not... No one deserved this more than Alison Becker. So that's that's where I want to draw the line. It's been an incredibly tough season for people around Liverpool, not just with, um, obviously, after losing Van Dyke, they then lose Joe Gomez, they then lose Joel Matip, they then lose, they then sign Ozan Kabak and Ben Davies, both of whom are out for the season. And so they have no senior center backs. So they have to rely on Nat Phillips, who was about to sign, who's about to go to America for college, and Reese Williams, a kid who was on loan at Kidderminster in the sixth tier of English football last year, playing for them in the Premier League. And you have Allison Becker who has the center back changes ahead of him, has his everything that's going on in his personal life. You have the manager Jurgen Klopp, whose mother passed away earlier this year and he couldn't go to Germany for her funeral as well you just have um Alexander Arnold um dipping in form and getting kicked out of the England Euros getting kicked out of the England squad now his uh future is in doubt for the Euros you just have everything bad happening at once to Liverpool you have Sadio Mane who said himself that he underwent tests to find out why his season has been so bad. He studied his eating patterns, his sleeping patterns, just to figure out why he was dipping in form. All of this sort of happening at the same time to create a giant ball of fire, dragging Liverpool down, dragging Liverpool out of anything, really, where they looked like they were going to be in the Europa League next year. You just look like... Nothing was going right for them. And then in the 94th minute of a game they need to win, you have their goalkeeper, who's probably had everything the hardest this year, come up and score a goal for them that might kick them into the Champions League. Because, to kind of light things up for me (laughs) as a Liverpool fan, and to kind of set the stage, Chelsea are playing Leicester. So... What this means is whoever wins that game is almost guaranteed Champions League. Whoever loses that game then goes into a sort of 
playoff, I guess, with Liverpool to decide who gets that fourth spot. So the table right now is Leicester are on 66 points, Chelsea 64 points, and Liverpool 63 points. And each team has two games left to play, including on Tuesday, Leicester City will face off against Chelsea. So I'll get the situations for this. If Chelsea win that game, then they are guaranteed Champions League football because they will be on 69 points, which is the maximum for Liverpool to get. And Liverpool are the only challengers, so they will be guaranteed Champions League football. If Chelsea win this game, they will be on 66 points, along with Leicester. If Liverpool win their game, they'll be on 66 points. Wait, no, sorry. Chelsea will be on 67 points. Leicester will be on 66. Liverpool, if they win, will be on 66. And so then it's everything's very, very close. If it's a draw, Leicester go to 67. Chelsea go to 65. And Liverpool, if they win, go to 66. So what does this mean? It means that this is a one heck of a race for Champions League. And I could not tell you who's going to win. I think that if Leicester don't, if Leicester get any sort of points from the game, I will write them in as as one of the teams in the top four. I think I I think that Liverpool will be facing off against Chelsea, really for that spot. I think Leicester might sort of pull it back and really um, say we're not slipping. This is not what happened last year. We are in the top four. We are, we are the team to beat. We are breaking up this top six. We are taking names and kicking butts here. So, what does this mean for Liverpool? It means that Liverpool, it's almost essentially in Liverpool's hands. If Liverpool win their next two games against Burnley and Crystal Palace, which are two of the easier games, you could not have asked for easier games, essentially. If Liverpool win those two games... They're almost, in my head, they're almost guaranteed Champions League. They'll be on 69 points. Leicester or Chelsea both can't get to 69 points. Wait. Well, because Chelsea could get 67 and Leicester could get 69. But that, that would be with a Chelsea win, I think. I think that Leicester, if Leicester pick up points here, they're guaranteed top four. And Le- Liverpool, if they win out, are guaranteed top four. And also, I think Leicester City and Liverpool goal difference because Leicester will have dropped goals and Liverpool will have picked up goals. Liverpool will be ahead of Chelsea in fourth place on goal difference, which is what an ending to the season. I think this is the, if that happens, that's the ending to the season that, this, th- what's happened this season deserves. That would be mad. I think May 23rd will be the craziest day for the Premier League in a while. So my prediction for top four, I see Manchester City, obviously. Manchester United, obviously. I see Leicester, and I see Liverpool. But... I think that the people going into the Champions League will be Manchester City, Manchester United, Leicester, and Chelsea. Because I have a 
rogue idea in my head that Chelsea might scrape out a Champions League win if they finish fifth because they'll need that so much. Not only will Thomas Tuchel say, go out and kick City's butts, but everyone, and not only is the Champions League final, but they need that to get into the Champions League. So that's what I think is going to happen in the Premier League. Another thing that I kind of want to touch on is what's going to happen with this show. Obviously, I kind of kickstarted it with that Sebastian Salazar interview. Go check out Owen Kennedy on Twitter. Uh, I'll put that in the description of this episode if you guys want to go over there and drop a follow for my ego and go check out my one post, not hard to find, so you have no excuses. I'm looking at everyone here. No excuses to not watch that interview because it's it's a very good interview, obviously, because I did it. And it kind of kickstarted the show. It's with Sebastian Salazar, who came on the show, did me a solid there. I've looked up to him for a while. So if you could download that episode as well, that would help me out a lot. Especially if you're watching this, just listening to this uh, on Transistor, then you should be able to find it pretty easily. If you go to my show page, you should be able to find it. Uh, watch that episode because that kicked it off. So where do I go from here? Obviously with the Premier League ending on Sunday. Or not this Sunday, but the Sunday after. Wait, no. Yes, next Sunday. So what's going to happen here? Obviously, since I'm doing this from school, uh, I might stay over the summer. I might do some Euro coverage uh, as before school ends. So I'll definitely be trying to do every Monday as uh, the Euros um, as the Euros kickstart. Be kind of covering the Euros a bit. Following Scotland as that's the team I support. Where, where, come on Scotland. Let's beat England at Wembley. Come on. We can do it. So I'll be following the Euros. Next year is where I really have some doubts. If this show sort of picks up and I get into a groove, uh, I'll kind of carry it over to next year. I won't be in the uh, radio class at school, so it'll make it a bit more challenging for me to get things done. So um, if if everything goes swimmingly and you download that Sebastian Salazar interview, then I will see you guys um, in, for more Premier League stuff next year so that's really what's happening with inside the box at the minute i'm very undecided on what i'm gonna do with the show but if you could stick around with me for a bit i'll definitely be here for at least a month so you're guaranteed four more episodes after this one four more episodes of absolute brilliance if you ask me which obviously you'd ask me <laughs> now four more episodes uh, covering Premier League stuff, uh, covering my end-of-season awards. We'll do a whole thing around that. We'll obviously do some Euros coverage. I'll try to stick to every Monday if I can. We'll do some Euro stuff. We'll do some, some just summer transfer window stuff. We'll really, really kind of look into everything that's happening in European soccer and obviously, the Sounders starting up. I might cover the Sounders from Seattle. Sounders, 
best team in the ML MLS. So covering the Sounders. So really, I hope that you guys stay tuned to what's coming from inside the box here. It's it's just me, so there's it's gonna be pretty difficult to kind of research for the show. We'll try to pick out some more games. Obviously, this is the first game, first kind of Premier League review I did. So I'm gonna try and pick out more games to do. Try to pick out more stats in detail, more reviews. Uh, with the end of the season, we're gonna have team of the season, my team of the season, my end of the season awards. We're gonna have some Euro predictions, Euro coverage. We're gonna have uh, summer transfer window coverage, some Sounders coverage. A lot of brilliance coming to you from my mouth because I am just brilliant. <laughs> That's a joke. But anyways, just I really hope you stay tuned to the show. Please download if you can. Uh, that really helps me out. It, it not only helps me notice that people are into this and that I should keep going. It also helps out my ego, which probably doesn't need a boost. But if you could give it a boost, that would be great. So anyways, my name is Owen Kennedy, and you're listening to Inside the Box. Thank you for listening, and have a good day. Bye.